spoken name. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed of that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional materials. You wake up one morning after not reading a book since your school days and you decide to be a writer. With no good or bad writing to compare against your own, you just know how to write and anyone who tells you otherwise is wrong. Hell, maybe they're jealous of your natural ability to craft the masterpiece. After all, most people need to learn through a combination of books, courses, critical feedback and workshops. Not you, though. It's not their fault. They don't realise your natural talent, but they soon will. How to Write Wrong is the new book by Amanda Steele. The book, which is an interactive story, gives the reader multiple options throughout its story. The book can be purchased from Amazon. Spoken Label. Thank you today for tuning in to Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and as of recording has over 200 sessions in our archive. Although the podcast can be heard on Anchor, iTunes, Apple, Spotify, YouTube and literally 10 or 11 other networks, the full archive can be found at Spoken Label, all one word, spokenlabel.bandcamp.com. On the Bandcamp, it is set as pay what you want, so you are entitled, if you wish, you can download it or stream it for nothing. But if you throw me a couple of pennies my way, it is always eternally grateful to help me maintain the operating costs and future running plots for the podcast. Enjoy. Spoken Label. Hi guys, and the end. Spoken Label. Back in the house and boiling hot day in Manchester at the moment. Uh, the lady I've got on Zoom at the moment was just been telling me it's 36 degrees where she is. And I'm thinking, I'll be sweating to death at that temperature around here. But it's been a bit of a story here because I'm chatting to Nathan Keane today. And Amy, how many times have we tried to arrange spoken label sessions for now? For life got <laughs> life and lockdown got in the way. Is it four times? Four, five. If I can't remember a time in my life, Andy, when we weren't organising this yeah. this recording. <laughs> I, I'm going to miss, miss the organisation more than. <laughs> I know it's crazy because I, I first I first heard of you when you put the publishing second book, Bella. Uh, it's back in the last year it was. And I know I saw the book then, yeah. back in the last year. And me and Bella both said, mm-hmm. well, I'd love to talk to you. And it just took us about most of this year, on it, to get it organised, really. So, <laughs> it's just absolutely crazy. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> seriously, Amy, for people that don't know you, do you want to tell everybody who you are, where you come from, and obviously what led you down the path of being a writer that you are? And what's we'll taking from that? Oh, okay. Well, my name's um, 
Amy Charlotte Keane. I always use my middle name because I always found it weird when people don't. Like it's a secret name that you only say when people ask you what it is. Okay. Um, so I use my full name, Amy Charlotte Keane. I've actually, my, I've, I've worked in advertising for the last 16 years. Um, so uh, in various different, I've worked for, with, for some amazing clients like Sony Music, Nando's, Domino's. I used to work for the BBC. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, like quite an, oh, and I worked in Asia for a bit, a good few years. Um, and so I can quite confidently say that my career until the last couple of years has been extremely shallow. <laughs> and anyone who's worked in advertising for a really long time knows that it starts to feel a bit soulless. <laughs> and you look around, you look around, you look around you and everyone's dealing in like multi-million pound accounts thinking that they're in charge of the world and you're like Jesus Christ I need I need something else um so I started to write a few years ago um just to give myself a purpose just to get my feelings out just to try and contribute to the world in a nicer way than trying to sell people shit um so so that's how I came to uh, poetry and and just writing in general, writing fiction. Really, um, I uh, my 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 first book is slightly more irreverent than House of Weeds. So, a couple of years ago, I I released a book called The Little Girl Who Gave Zero Fucks um, with the publisher Unbound, which was and the interesting thing because I worked in advertising for so long that it was a product. My first book was a product. Um, it had a quirky title, female audience. It's about empowerment. It's illustrated. It's a, it's a shiny thing. Um, whereas with House of Weeds, which has only just come out, is far more personal and I think meaningful. Yeah. Now, what I'm interested in knowing obviously, I know both books have been illustrated by different people. So, do you want to elaborate first of all on what made you want to go with these artists of both your books? I've said, I've not seen a load of your first book, I've certainly read all your second book. And it's, it looks like yeah. the tone of both is quite substantially different, as you said, in particular the illustrations as well. Yeah. Um, well, well, with The Little Girl Who Gave Zero Fucks, it's, it's like a fake fairy tale. It's like a parody of a fairy tale. Um, hmm. And uh, my brief to the illustrator was, I wanted a dystopian Millie Molly Mandy. Um, and that's actually uh, absolutely what they delivered. I think because I've worked in advertising, and this is going to sound really cheesy, it's probably going to sound really corny, but rather than just writing books, I like to create experiences. And hmm. so that's why the combination of writing and art Oh, sorry. <laughs> There's someone in the background. No way, Benny. And then I'm going to get Amy losing the words. Uh, she's getting put off a little bit. Uh, I've got I've got myself shut away, so nobody can write with me. <laughs> well, <my> heart <laughs> won't come and ask us what she really has to speak to me about. Um, yeah, so I like to make experiences, and so the combination of art and and words is really, really important to me. Um, I feel you. There, there's some. There's also an element of control when you have illustrations that accompany your writing, because you're kind of telling the reader how you want them to feel. <laughs> and yeah. I had a very specific way that I wanted people to feel when they were reading House of Weeds in particular. 
Um, House of Weeds, I wanted to people, I wanted people to feel like they were on drugs <laughs> without having to take drugs, which I do not advocate. <laughs> <laughs> no, you mean you just give people the high by legal means, basically, don't you? By the book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, yeah, no, it's, it's a fantastic book, House of Weeds, because you published sent out to what I said at the beginning of this year. I was really engaged by it, and I thought this is completely. It wasn't, it wasn't what I was expected. That's the show with it. So, yeah. but I said it yeah. because like it's the books and books are completely different for books and different times of your life. So, did the second book prove a much more easier book to write than the first one? Oh God, absolutely. Yeah. So, so your first, your. First. <laughs> The first book is a labour of love. It's you. It's it's you putting yourself out there. It's I was working on that for years. Um, oh, wow. House of Weeds took about six months. So, um, in terms of how House of Weeds came about, and sorry, you also asked about the illustrator, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, my one of my best friends. <laughs> one of my first best friends is a guy called Jack, and he's a gardener. Um, oh and like a naturist he is obsessed he's, he's the most knowledgeable person i know about anything but he knows everything there is to know about mother nature and weeds are his thing so he loves he's obsessed with weeds and the fact that you know at some point in the past hundreds of years ago a group of people decided that certain flowers were too unruly to be in the garden and they called them weeds um, they're too unruly, they're too rebellious, they're too unpredictable. But weeds are beautiful. The poppy is a weed, buttercups are weeds, fern, ivy. Um, you know, the dandelion is a personal favourite of mine. Um, and so he, he wrote a book a few years ago about the history of weeds and how beautiful they are and how you can design them. Um, and so he inspired me. You know, when he talked about weeds being rebels, weeds being unruly, weeds being shunned, weeds being outcasts, I was like, shit, well, there's, there's nothing more human then. Um, you know, the weed is the human of the, the botany world. Yeah, um, yeah. So I started writing these poems based on the weeds in his book, and he's an amazing artist as well. Um, and, so, and so we kind of joined forces, and it just clicked. It clicked immediately. It took six months start to finish. And now we feel like it's a living thing. It's so weird. I mean, you, you always kind of bone over your own work, don't you? But <laughs> we, um, we, we love this, this little kind of ecosystem that we've created with the, the people in the house and all the personalities and the characters. Brilliant. No, brilliant. It's, it's such it's an engaging, vivid book, that's why. So... Have you, found, have you done many readings in support of the book? Yeah, obviously, there's been a lockdown because it came out, didn't it? Right when lockdown was about to break. Oh. Hard to yes. Um, we Yeah, we've done... So we've done two virtual experiences mm. um, where you can... People were able to enter the House of Weeds. Um, mm. And it was, it was just on Zoom. But what I did, I don't... I, I'm not too much of a narcissist that I always want to read my own work all the time. <laughs> so um, 
in keeping with the book, which is about loads of different individuals who lived in these safe houses in Peckham between the years of 1897 and 1941, they were shunned by society. They thought differently. They looked differently. Their sexuality wasn't in keeping with society's norms, etc. Um, both times we did this kind of uh, virtual experience, I got different people to read the poems. Oh, um, all right. That's and we've had, yeah, it's, We've had the most amazing people read. So I had a hip hop magician called Magical Bones oh, wow. read at the first one. He's from Britain's Got Talent. I had a TikTok star. Um, oh, I've had poets, authors, broadcasters. Um, yeah, it's been amazing. Oh, that's an amazing experience. I feel like I've had, I've had a couple of readings where I've had actors reading the workout before. But well, you, you've gone and got, it's every single when you're reading is doing it like that. So like each of your experiences that like, is completely different than basically, isn't it? So yeah. do you anticipate when we eventually get out of lockdown? Notice the words when. Do you think eventually, <laughs> maybe, would you like to take this sort of thing on the road with you? Do you want to, Andy, do you want to read a poem? You can, well, read, you can read it one. If you give me notes, I'll go down anywhere, right? So when, so when people are allowed to congregate again, we're going to, so the book is based on two houses in Peckham where these people lived. Hmm. Those houses in Peckham are there. Um, so October, November, we're actually going to host like an immersive uh, exhibition, kind oh, of wow. exhibition theatre where people can go in and there's going to be readings, but there's going to be lights and sound and smells and uh, an absolute, sorry for my language, head fuck. Um, so, so we're going to have that as soon as we possibly can. That's, it was when we wrote the book, the book was, is so annoying. COVID has been so annoying because we were going to release the book in tandem with this exhibition oh, and it was supposed great. to be like a lovely 360 oh, kind of no. work of art thing. Obviously that all went tits up. Yep. Slightly, didn't it? So it's forced you to <laughs> reevaluate things as I would say, isn't it? So. I know, I know, like I was hearing talk in your first book. Your first book was quite a big seller at Amazon, was and I had a great publisher as well. So, so that's what with this check yeah. really frustrating because the fact you couldn't do what you wanted to do on it. So, which is typical. Yeah. Do you have any sort of ideas going on for the third book at the moment, maybe? You're not sure yet. <clears throat> yeah, I do actually. I've started writing it. Um, it's a it's actually a non-fiction book. Oh, so really? one of the things, having worked, yeah, about gaslighting, about corporate gaslighting. Um, so one of the things about having worked in advertising for 15 years is that I've accidentally become an expert in toxic company cultures. Um, bullying and gaslighting and microaggressions and... Um, so, and I, and I have a column for a magazine. Um, I write a column for a magazine called Shots and I talk a lot about culture, company culture and how you can fix it and how real people have power and how you can fight back. And so, yeah, I'm writing a book. I'm writing a book about that. Um, taking a break from fiction for a little while. I think you need to sometimes, don't you? So when you're doing like loads of writing and certain things like that, you've got to. I think sometimes take a break and do something else or you move on to another big project. Yeah, so yeah. do something completely different. So 
I'm believing that. Yeah. I'm, I do. I do all kinds of things. I do. You get see. You see what? Because it was what I looked at all the time. It's just playing ridiculous. <laughs> but like I said, well, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's best way. I'm the person that just goes in one pool, goes in another the next day, and I move around all the time. I never sit still. But I know proper like right. It's what, sorry? Like a moth, like a creative oh, moth. Yeah. Like I'm, 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 a, I'm a moth that never turns into butterfly, I am, so. <laughs> That's why I own seven different sorts of moths. Picks so. story of my life, anyway. <laughs> yeah, but definitely, your book sounds really, non-fiction book sounds really interesting, so. Um, do you anticipate when you're like, when that's likely to be out yet, or are you not sure yet? No idea. It's, it's. I, I need to interview loads of people because it's, it's, it's based on people's real life experiences. Um, so it's going to take a, a, a really long time to get all of the stories and I need to speak to psychologists and I need to speak to activists in order to do it justice. So this is, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a good year. Yeah, sounds like it straight away. Haven't you taken as big a project or like that? It's not something you could... I can't or throw out in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, definitely not. No, no, it's no. one of those, yeah. I think as well, like, it makes sense. Like, you've, you've gone along and done two quite radically different books. Why not do something else completely different? You move on, move on to your next podcast, keep doing yeah. it. Best way, best way is writing, I can't believe. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's actually all my questions, Amy. Yeah. So, if people want to find out more about you, where are the best coming? I am, um, I spend way too much time on Twitter, Eno81, K-E-A-N-O-81. Uh, and you'll see me ranting and being weird there. Yeah, I've got you there. I found, I found you there on Twitter, so follow, make sure you follow Amy. So, right, I know she's going to be, you're going to do a few projects in the second half, aren't you, as well? So, <laughs> so we'll we take a quick break then. Hang on, everybody. Looking forward to this. See you all in a minute. Thanks again, Amy. Spock on me. Hi, guys. Hi. My turn for a rest now. Straight up to Amy. And she's going to do four pieces for us today. Over to you, my friend. Lovely. Okay, so the first one I'm going to read is called Cat's Ear. You've got to kick down a door, prize the wood from its hinges, so uninvited in my yellow dress. Maleficent beams stalk my frame across the marble floor. My name must have slipped from the guest list. An oversight, no drama. I'm here now. Rotten souls name what they can't understand, some biblical legacy, assumptions of wickedness, like the dandelion before me. Clones succeed. Note that, kindly. The thick treacle of familiarity, a hungry saccharine mess, as rigid and safe as a scold's bridle. I hear them say, what have we done? What have we done to bring her here? And I know that whatever I am, it's working. Brilliant. What a great ending there as well. And uh, the ending there is, no, you tied it all really well there, like, give real good into the narrative and that things. Fantastic. Okay. Ah. So, should we jump straight into number two then? Number two. Number two. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> this one's actually my favourite one. I'll oh. tell you why. It's because I wrote it drunk. I wrote it drunk and um, I was feeling angry. 
<laughs> but it impressed. doesn't. It, it won't cost me. <laughs> I know when I used, evening film. When I used yeah. to drink and write, I used to write absolute cocklebygook, so I couldn't work out what I wrote the next day. So, so what it's did you? Amazing. Do? I know. Did, was yours done on the computer or was it done on done on your hand handwritten the second one when you wrote them? Um, computer. I just, I, I'm the same. I just like, I scroll loads of shit that's in my head, like a, like a, like a mad woman. And then I, so I write down all the words that are in my head and then I put, and then I put them together like a puzzle. I always yeah. see a poem as like a puzzle. Um, Brilliant. yeah. So this one, this one's called, um, Evening Primrose. I remember the first time I died. It was a Saturday, as Saturday is the most common day to die in many ways. Perhaps at the stroke of midnight, what a cliche, I lost feeling. Overdosed on daylight and withered, real dead. Deceased as the beige white dolphin or dignity. By the morning, I was resurrected like an obvious Jesus or worm cut in half. And then every dusk, as the crafty nightlights beckoned and our city's hot borders whumped, it was pre-written. At the height of my euphoria, I dropped down dead. In the morning, as I was born again, again, you popped the kettle on and told me to calm down. My dear, I said, holding a glass bowl up to your eyes. I am perfectly calm and this is what makes you nervous. What is the best rebellion for a woman, they ask. Well, of course, it is to live, I say aloud. It is to really live each day. Fantastic. Really, I can't believe you wrote that drunk. <laughs> it shows you like, I wrote, I wrote that like that. It would have took me, I would have, I would have been drunk for 14 hours to get out of that quality. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, surprisingly coherent. <laughs> yeah. Did that? Did that come? Did you have too much rework on that after when you sobered up? No, that's the thing I love about being drunk. <laughs> Normally, I'll edit the shit out of my poems, like ten drafts. With that one, because I wasn't self-filtering, I just I just wrote. It's so amazing when you don't have a filter on and you don't second guess yourself. Um, and that's what I did. It was just like, wow, just came out. That was fantastic. <laughs> no, I sat there thinking, wow. Well, I remember last time I was drunk and I wrote a piece. It took me out. I ended up chucking the things. I couldn't read what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I was in a bad mood, man. And all so. Anyway, what's, what's your third piece? <laughs> My third one is, it's, um, there's a weed called Mind, Mind Your Own Business. Uh, so this is called Mind Your Own Business. This is the one that was read out by, um, yeah, a hip hop magician called Magical Bones. Um, he read it out at the first House of Weeds experience and did such an amazing job. Um, I won't be as good as he was, but um, I'll just read it. Damn this brain, this energy, this reluctant calling. It's not shyness per se. Heaven knows what shapes us. Damn this rudeness, this hardwired nature. Damn mother nature. Damn her delicate green fingers, if fingers are what cast her spells. 
Damn this endless friction between her and God. Damn them both for crafting this problematic engine. Damn my emerald carpets, those awkward moments, my lazy salutes, uncontrollable in other lands when I felt too damn foreign to cope. Forget them. Damn my fuss. Damn their unwavering spunk, the shouting, the barks that roughen my soul. Damn waiting for Wilt. Damn letting the loudest lead. They sent us here. It's a risky game, war. A day later, we would all have been dead. Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, really. Again, you, you know, I've got a really good, all three of your pieces done that to Amy. But I know what Nova's reading your book as well. When you do them, your pieces conclude. You people know it ends because you like it. You finish it up with short story points and you get a really good sharp end. Uh -huh. No. Like a little sucker punch. The sucker punch, that's it. Yeah, not a sucker punch. Yeah, definitely. Or you pull the rug yeah. out and then the feet don't. Yeah, definitely. So. <laughs> okay, I know you're going <laughs> to do a, a tiny little epilogue now, then, aren't you? Instead of the big one. Tiny, tiny one. Um, by, by the way, that Mind Your Own Business poem, it's about, it's about PTSD. For anyone that wants to read the book, it's about a soldier suffering from PTSD. Um, <clears throat> right, so this one is super i had a child read this um when i did the house of weeds event because it's i just i feel like it's it's just crazy nonsense <laughs> which is my favorite kind of my favorite kind of writing um this one's called crow garlic and if you if anyone knows the crow garlic weed it's just pure mayhem to look at the crow garlic is this weird kind of green um, bunch of nonsensical kind of um, leaves that look like they've been just smushed together. Um, so, crow garlic. Is madness real or is it a look? A plugged limb, an electrified barnet, ice skating lollipop legs, a souffle of hairy chaos, all thumbs and squiggles and crowing karaoke to a gorgonzola moon. Great big balls of inflorescence like nothing on this planet. We are all a little mad. It looks lovely. Oh, wow, I see you mean that, can't we? That is a nice short little piece to finish off with that one, definitely. Uh Oh, that's that one. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice contrast to the other one, well, because it's short, conciseness. So, do you find that when you're doing your short look of pieces like that, do they take you longer than the actual the full length pieces to do sometimes? Oh my god, 100%. The yeah. short ones are the hardest. I do. Um, I'm, I'm, writing, I'm trying to do a haiku a day at the moment. I'm doing them, it's, they're taking me twice as long as to write normal poems. So, it's like, yeah, it's, you have to put a lot yeah. of thought into them more when you do one. Excellent. And you can't, well, you shouldn't, like, you, you should never waste a word in poetry anyway, obviously. But with shorter poems, people expect to twist. And also, every single word has to do so much work. Um, yeah. Like, there's one, there's, there's, there's one in the book that I wrote about the daisy. Obviously, daisy is an iconic weed, so I, I couldn't let it down. Um, the, the daisy one was, it's only four lines long. Um, oh. It took me months. Months. I bet that took you absolutely monster out of that one. I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Just with a couple of lines, that you can end, you can end up ripping your hair out if you're not careful that one. Definitely so. I know I have sometimes. Well, brilliant. Thank you today for saying it. It's been a pleasure. So hang around. It's been so nice talking to you. 
Yeah, it's about lovely at last. Everyone's wondering, wondering why we say at last. It was what March originally we were going to speak, wasn't it? Yeah. You going to come down on the Friday or something. You managed to, weren't you? Yeah. The then we went to lockdown. Yes, um, it was. It was. And I was so excited about my day trip to Manchester. <laughs> and it's, yeah, waffle. never happened. Never happened. We'll do it again in the future, <laughs> right? Definitely. And then, then we planned it end of May, and then it would end of June, and then it became end of July, like it is now. So, hey, ho. Oh, gosh. <laughs> we got there eventually. So. <laughs> well, we did it. Hey, hallelujah. Guy, hang on, Amy. You need to quit with your mic, seriously. Well, thank you again. It's been a pleasure today. I'm long lost. <laughs> so, take care, guys <laughs> and girls. Stay safe. I'll see you all soon. Bye. Spock on there.